0: Support for KQED podcasts comes from Star One Credit Union, now offering real time money movement with instant pay. Make transfers and payments instantly between financial institutions. Online or through Star One's mobile app, Star One Credit Union, in your best interest.
1: From KQED. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Lily Jamali. Wildfires damaged or destroyed more than 30 wine properties in Napa County last year. Now the county's wine industry is speaking out about the need to supplement existing firefighting resources. It's also broaching the possibility of the county forming its own fire department. Unlike other rural counties with few resources, Napa can afford additional firefighting helicopters and used fire trucks. For the rest of the hour, we're going to hear about how a community scarred by years of devastation wants to change how it battles wildfire and what that means for ensuring access to high-stakes emergency resources for all. Joining us is Supervisor Alfredo Pedrosa. He's the chair of Napa County's Board of Supervisors. We are also joined by Ken Pimlott, the former chief at the California Department of Forestry and Fire Protection, and Rick Jones, owner of Jones Family Vineyards. He also heads up the Napa Napa Valley Vintners Fire Prevention and Mitigation Committee. Welcome to all of you. And Supervisor Pedrosa, I wanted to begin with you, really hoping to take a step back for a moment, because your county has suffered through several historically bad fire seasons, and I wonder how residents are feeling as we experience another historically bad fire season now and the prospect that this one may hit more communities where you are.
2: Well, thank you for the opportunity and good morning, everyone. You know, look, I I think what Napa County, our residences, our businesses are realizing is um, that the devastation that fires have caused are real. Uh, and they're coping with the emotions of the devastation, and it's beyond the cents and dollars. You know, Rick Johnson, the Napa Valley vintners, can speak more about the financial impact. But it's not just about the two billion dollars in economic losses that Napa County has been impacted with. It's when people lose their homes. It's when people lose their businesses that they, they've built from the ground up. You know, those are the real stories that we're seeing on the ground. And I think the question um, that our community is raising—it's a valid question—and it's not directed at Cal Fire. It's a recognition, is this the right partnership at this moment in time for what the whole state is going through? And in Napa County, I think that those are legitimate questions that our businesses, our residents are asking Mm
1: -hmm. as
2: they're coping coping with insurance premiums that continue to increase and the cost of living continues to, to increase as well.
1: Well, is it, from your perspective, the right relationship at this moment in time?
2: Yeah, look, I think what Napa County is doing is we're gonna we're in the in the midst of the renewal with Cal Fire, which is in 2023. We're gonna look at you know what the partnership means in, in terms of what we pay Cal Fire in cents and dollars. And is that the right agreement going forward? I think Cal Fire would also agree that the way they've been fighting fires is change when you have uh, resources in the whole state or m- many co- communities, counties are on fire, it, they're in a hard position to try to resource those communities at the expectation that we've had previously. And I think what CAL FIRE has done well is when there's limited fires, they throw the world that resources uh, at those fires and they do a really good job of that. But when there's multiple incidents throughout the state and then there's a resource draw, that's the challenge. Mm-hmm. And as a Napa County supervisor, in that moment in time, I think Napa County is the most important county as a supervisor in Sonoma will say the same thing mm-hmm. and in Santa Barbara. And I think that's the challenge that we're facing. So what I look forward to in this opportunity to talk with CAL FIRE and to do an assessment of the 15, $20 million that we're paying them. Is this the right structure? Is this the right partnership? Is this what's best for Napa County residents and our businesses? And it may be, or it may not. But I think that is a moment in time uh, that we're in in Napa County because we know the aftermath that we've been dealing with of real losses to our community. And I think I'm open to having that conversation. Uh, with Cal Fire to make sure it's the right partnership. And if we recognize that the expectations and what Napa County needs to keep our communities safe is a different partnership, we're going to have that conversation. So again, I don't think anyone's made up their mind in Napa County. It's just exploring the opportunity that the contract renewal gives Napa County to ask that question. And to Cal mm-hmm. Fire is going to be at the table as well. This is not going to be done uh, around them uh, or at them. It's going to be done with them.
1: And we want to bring listeners into the conversation. What are your con- your questions about how and why a community creates its own firefighting force? Do you think it's okay for individuals to fund their own firefighting and does your community need more resources to fight fires? Give us a call now at 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. You can also get in touch with us on Twitter and on Facebook we are at KQED Forum or you can email your questions to forum at kqed.org. Rick Jones, you own a family vineyard in Calistoga. You've been producing wine there for, I think it's about 25 years now. And you also head up the Napa Valley Vintners Fire Prevention and Mitigation Committee. That's quite a handful to say, a mouthful. When did your fellow winemakers start seriously considering this idea of starting a local firefighting force?
0: Well, I want to echo what uh, Supervisor Pedroza said. This is not an either or question. This is a both and question. Um, we we in Napa are fortunate. We actually already have 180 volunteer firefighters, members of our community who volunteer to help out when a fire breaks out. They currently are directed by Cal Fire. That may be the right uh, long term solution. It may not be. And all we're asking is that the county and the renewal of the contract with Cal Fire, take a look at what is the right way to combine local resources with Cal Fire resources. We need them both, uh, there's no question about that. We are not advocating that individual businesses try to fight their fires on their own. That's what the county, that's what Cal Fire is doing. There are a lot of steps that individual businesses can take to protect their businesses, their structures, their vineyards. Uh, but. Getting in the middle of a wildfire is not a wise thing for a business to be doing.
1: So what do you say to people who look at this concept and take away from it that the implication is that CAL FIRE maybe isn't getting the job done? What do you say to those folks?
0: Well, I say that, as Supervisor Pedrosa said, CAL FIRE has a lot of things they are trying to do simultaneously. Uh, Wildfire season is not just affecting the Napa Valley or the Sonoma Valley. It's affecting all of California and CAL FIRE needs to be there for all of the citizens of the state. But we think that NAPA can do more on its own to supplement what CAL FIRE does and be sure that if a wildfire breaks out, we have the boots on the ground, we have the resources, we have the equipment uh, to be able to deal with it and keep it down to less than 10 acres so it doesn't become an out of control wildfire.
1: Let's go to former CAL FIRE chief Ken Pimlott. Uh, Welcome to you. I wonder, when you hear that NAPA wants to go its own way, what red flags go up in your mind?
3: Well, good morning and thank you for the opportunity. But first and foremost, I want to echo the comments from both uh, Rick and Supervisor Alfredo. Uh, I've been out there on the ground during the 2017 fires with the supervisor and, and many members of the, the valley, understand the impacts um, that have been going on for a number of years now. I'm living it right now as a citizen of El Dorado County uh, near the, the Caldor fires. So th- these fires are real and they are everything and, and way beyond what we talked about in terms of their devastation and how bad they were going to get. So. Want to really echo the comments? At, at the end of the day, it's a healthy relationship, the cooperative agreements that Cal Fire has with many communities around the state to provide all-hazard municipal fire protection um, are just that. It's just a, a contract. It's not uncommon to sit down at the time when the, the, the agreement's up for renewal to have a discussion about um, what's what do we need what do we need out of this partnership what's going to be uh, going forward what have we learned uh, things have changed in, in the last several years since the contract was last renewed uh, and so it's very healthy to have this conversation right now uh, and I um, I'm very happy to hear that it's happening uh, with the community with the county and with Cal Fire to have that discussion uh, going forward mm-hmm. uh, levels of service needs they change over time. And uh, we've seen with fire activity and population, it's not just about the responding to the fires, it's the medical emergencies and all of the other calls for service Uh, that your fire department provides uh, for your community. So this is a perfect opportunity to sit down and have that discussion.
1: But Ken, you know, the subtext here is that winemakers in Napa County can afford to pay for more firefighting resources, right? When people in other fire-prone parts of California might not be able to. When CAL FIRE loses a contract like this, what happens to its ability to service other less affluent communities?
3: so going back you know to the formation of literally of the country back in in really the late 1700s early 1800s as the country was building out lots of wood structures come going up in cities and in homes uh, and we started having a lot of fires and uh, ha- there were not a lot of organized fire departments or they were just developing. And what happened is people that had money would pay for uh, what would they would call um, the ability to have fire protection. They would put out basically what they called a fire mark on your front door. And if there was a fire and the fire department came by and you had that fire mark, they would put out your fire. If you didn't have one, they would allow it to burn. And uh, it was soon recognized that that was not the way... Uh, to provide for uh, public safety. And it was recognized early that uh, government's paramount function is to provide for the health and safety of its residents of of the peoples and fire and and law enforcement protection, public safety is key. So Mm -hmm. there's a base level of protection and public safety that government um, provides for everyone. Rural communities obviously don't necessarily have the tax base or the ability to, to provide for the same level of protection as a a much more uh, larger community where there's a tax base, they can provide more fire stations, all of that. But there's always a base level of fire protection and emergency services that are provided. But that's up to the individual communities to decide uh, how to assess themselves to provide those increasing levels of service. So that's absolutely not uncommon uh, around the country to have those varying levels of service. But it's generally done throughout that cooperative, that discussion through working with the public and increasing public sector uh, emergency services so that it can be managed and organized uh, through a public process that's accountable uh, you know, to the residents of the community that are being served.
1: Mm-hmm. And Supervisor Pedroza, I mean, before I take our first caller, I, I do want to ask you, I mean, this is a public service, firefighting, as we think of it today, is a public service. Are we talking about privatizing firefighting? Is no. that essentially what's happening?
2: No, I I don't believe that's the future of this public service, right? I, I think what, you know, Ken and Rick Jones have mentioned is just matching the needs of our community with the service expectations and deliverables, right? Um, but also, you know, if I may, I think I think what's changed is the level of service, as you know, the, the director mentioned has changed, right? And I think you you have local communities that are willing to try new things, whether it's contract for a dedicated a helicopter in their community, whether it's investing more in prevention dollars, we need to make sure that we have the right partnership, the right structure to deliver on those things. And I think that's what a contract renewal allows you to do is to say, okay, what CAL FIRE can deliver in this moment in time, does that still match what this community needs? And I think what you're seeing is more, more communities willing to do more on prevention to mitigate fire, but also those that have resources, how do you create these partnerships where you bring additional suppression resources locally as well?
1: Does your community need more resources to fight fires? And what are your questions about how and why a community creates its own firefighting force? Give us a call now at 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. You can also get in touch with us on Twitter and Facebook. We are at KQED Forum or email your questions to forum at kqed.org. We're going to take our first caller in Pleasanton. Terry is on the line. Hi, Terry. Hi. Hi, go ahead with your question.
4: Well, um, I was just listening to the the first fire official who was talking about the collaboration between um, uh, cities and and Cal Fire. And we have our own private fire service. We have the we have South Lake City, uh, South uh, Lake Tahoe City fire. We have U.S. Forest Service. We have all these entities. But when it comes to declaring what when the when the mandatory evacuation should happen it's, there's no clarity between these coalitions about who is to declare that mm. and and right now we've got very heavy smoke un- unhealthy quality air and i'm you know i self evacuated because i can't breathe mm. but what about who who is in out of all these entities who's in charge of declaring the mandatory evacuation just due to smoke, not just the fire, but the, the unhealthy air.
1: Mm. Ken Pimlott, maybe that's a question for you. I know you have a lot of background in this. This is a question more about evacuations. Um, I have not heard a lot about mandatory evacuations in response to smoke, only to fire up until this point. But is that something that um, we're going to see more of in in the coming years? And, and if you could also address, this is a perennial problem, different... Uh, agencies within a locality, you know, maybe you get one Nixle alert from your city, but a different code red alert from your county. How is that coordination getting better?
3: Absolutely. So it's a very good question. And obviously, uh, it's playing out in real time um, as we speak around California, certainly here where I'm at in El Dorado County. So um, ultimately, it is the authority of local law enforcement uh, in the case of where I'm at here in El Dorado County, it's the El Dorado County Sheriff's Department for most of the county uh, to uh, initiate the evacuations and now they're either uh, mandatory evacuations or they're evacuation warnings. so there's two different levels. Uh, the Sheriff's Office does that or local law enforcement does that in concert with working with the incident commanders on the emergency in this case land fires. So the incident commanders will work with the sheriff's office or law enforcement and say we anticipate the fire is going to be reaching this area by X amount of time. When it reaches a trigger point, where they know that the fire is in, in, impending an area, uh, that will trigger the evacuations. But it's the responsibility uh, of, of law enforcement to ins- uh, to carry that out. Uh, and then those things are updated based on the status of the fire. Uh, warnings are just that; they are to put everybody on notice that uh, you need to be ready to go and prepare your your go bag uh, understand where your evacuation routes are and if you're not comfortable just leave at that time and then if it turns to mandatory that means you are required to leave uh, immediately uh, and then they will cordon off that area and, and not allow access back to that area until it's safe uh, learned a lot since obviously the two, 2017 North Bay fires and 2018 Camp Fire. Uh, a great deal of coordination goes on between local law enforcement uh, and the fire agencies. How to trigger uh, the the code red or the um, you know reverse 911 or other systems that are being uh, used. Uh, uh, but remember, these fires are very fast moving, which is why you're seeing very uh, early, aggressive, larger evacuation warnings mm-hmm. and eva- mandatory evacuations because they want to make sure people are getting the notice early.
1: OK, we're going to go to our next caller. Jonathan is calling us from Albany. Go ahead, Jonathan.
4: Yes. Hi there. Um, you asked a question of the guests and um, I don't think they they understood it or didn't answer it directly. So I want to kind of rephrase it. Um, my understanding, and tell me if this is correct, is that the CAL FIRE system, um, you know, the, the, all the counties pay into that. And then each county, of course, based on their tax base, can, you know, get a, get a percentage. But there's a larger pay-in so that um, if another county that has less resources is going to need resources to fight the fires, there's going to be money for them as well And, you know, and of course, if something happens up in the Trinities, that affects all of us smoke and then the fires start start coming. So if some county withdraws from that system, doesn't that impoverish all the other counties? And doesn't that place them at risk as well because the fires spread and the smoke spreads?
1: Ken Pimlott would love your answer to that. And Jonathan, stick around. Uh, We may be going to break soon. So don't hang up. We want to we want to follow up with you. Ken Pimlott, he's basically asking to follow up on this this question that we're trying to answer. When you take resources away in a place like I'm talking about money uh, in in Napa, when they stop paying in, how does that hurt Butte County or, uh, you know, Plumas County and their ability to fight fires?
3: Great question. I'll certainly try to keep my answer clear. And It's a complex issue. At the end of the day, Cal Fire is responsible for protecting 31 million acres of watershed lands, private forest range and, and chaparral covered lands throughout California. And that's for the benefit of everybody in the state because we value the water, the air, uh, the timber, all of those resources. Um, everybody's paying for that and counties don't get to pull out of that. Uh, That will always be there. The discussion on the table here is Napa County is paying for additional is paying Cal Fire additional funding to be their fire department.
1: Okay, Chief Pimlott, stick with me. We are talking about the Napa County wine industry's efforts to rethink how the region fights fires. Stay with us. Welcome back to Forum. We're talking about the Napa County Wine Industry's efforts to rethink how the region fights wildfire. Jonathan had called us from Albany, pressing uh, former Cal Fire Chief Ken Pimlott on this issue of what happens when an affluent community like Napa basically uh, decides to fund its own firefighting force. What happens to uh, Cal Fire when that contract with Cal Fire is broken? And so the pool of money that the agency has to work with shrinks. That affects other counties. Go ahead, Chief Pimlott, and finish your point.
3: So the bottom line is that uh, CAL FIRE uh, has a statutory responsibility to protect the wildland areas, uh, private wildland areas throughout California. That will always exist, including in Napa County. CAL FIRE has stations funded uh, through the state budgets, through the state program, general fund tax dollars that will, will always be there. Napa County, like many communities around California, has chosen to use CAL FIRE also as its local fire department. That increases Cal Fire's capacity to have fire fi- direct access to firefighters, of course, not only for Napa, but to be able to move them around California. Should Napa County go on its own and, and, and have its own fire department, those firefighters will be available in the system. Cal State right now is using firefighters from you know, hundreds and hundreds of local government fire departments and moving them across California. So that certainly there will still be a firefighting force Uh, They just, again, won't happen to be under the direct control uh, of Cal Fire.
1: Hmm. I want to go to Rick Jones, a vineyard vineyard owner in Napa County. Um, Rick, what are some of the ways that vintners like you in Napa are taking firefighting into your own hands, even without starting, you know, the county starting its own formal unit?
0: Sure. Uh, I think the, again, I would reframe the question a little bit to what are we doing to deal with the threat of wildfire rather than firefighting? Uh, mm. There's a, an extensive community-wide effort to try to deal with the growth of uh, forest fuels that are much more flammable now than they were 20, 30, 40 years ago by clearing out the, the undergrowth, by making sure that roads are accessible for firefighters to get in and for uh, evacuations to get out when need be. Uh, Our county has stepped up and is committed to spending up to $10 million a year to clear out fuels. In addition to that, we're working on private landowners to clear out fuels around their own properties, to protect their own uh, assets from fire, if it were to break out. Uh, That's all in addition to the money and and the efforts that we've been talking about, about fighting the fires if and when they do. Uh,
1: begin. Mm -hmm. And uh, journalist Esther Mobley at the San Francisco Chronicle has been writing about this. She talks in a recent article about vineyard owners buying their own bulldozers to create some of that defensible space that you talked about, buying their own fire engines. Supervisor Pedroza, one Vintner quoted in um, a recent article by Esther in the Chronicle, says he offered to pull together one and a half million dollars to pay for stationing some firefighting aircraft locally. That required county approval, but it didn't come through. Why did the county decline that offer in April?
2: Well, it, it wasn't a, that we declined the offer. It was having a conversation with Cal Fire to determine what's the right air resource for Napa County. And I commend, um, you know, Randy Dunn and my Hackett and any resident that's putting forward solutions for the benefit of Napa County. And that was a catalyst of how we now have a, a helicopter exclusively dedicated to Napa County, at the Napa County airport, right? They gave uh, air to that discussion. And again, through that discussion, we made sure that the aircraft that the County uh, of Napa is paying for $1.6 million for 90 days, exclusively dedicated to Napa County is the right type of resource. Because again, that intention of wanting additional aircraft is a good intention. But what we learned through talking with CAL FIRE with the right folks, that a helicopter is a much more effective tool to try to reach fires earlier.
1: Ken Pimlott, do you have a reaction to that?
3: So uh, what's happened uh, here with the decision for the helicopter, it's not without precedent. Uh, the city of and county of Los Angeles have brought on aircraft uh, specifically in their community. Uh, San Diego Gas and Electric uh, have also partnered and done that in Southern California. What's important is what's exactly occurred here is that it's done in concert with the fire department that there can't be you know, an independent action taken. This helicopter is now part of the system. It's status as part of the public safety system. Although dedicated to Napa County, uh, you've got now the best asset in working with the firefighters to be able to use that effectively. And I think those are the kind of partnerships and relationships that obviously we need to continue having. So we do the right things uh, to benefit the greater good.
1: But you get the sense that Cal Fire does not very much appreciate having these private initiatives. Is that fair?
3: I think what all the fire service agencies want to ensure is that, you know, we the, the governance of the firefighting forces in California, uh, you know, it's a, the governance is, is unparalleled um, uh, anywhere in the country because we're able to coordinate and move resources unlike anywhere in the world. That's done because the public agencies from local government all the way up to the state and federal agencies have agreed to a process and so when we just need to make sure all these things are rolling up and happening as part of the mutual aid system and as part of the day-to-day fire business that we do Uh, it's hard to sometimes manage private contractors and where those things happen outside of the system so again it's important to have these discussions and Contracting for resources like helicopters done in the way this was done is the kind of process that uh, you know we need to be looking at
1: in a way that doesn't disrupt Cal Fire doing its job.
3: Correct, and actually it complements it, and I think that's what's happening here. It's now part of the the system. Aviation assets obviously uh, can be in limited supply, and now we know you know the system knows where there's a helicopter and can be used there, and that frees up other resources to be moved in other places. And so when it's done together and part of the system, it can be a big benefit.
1: Does your community need more resources to fight fires. Do you think it's okay for individuals to fund their own firefighting? Give us a call at 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. We're going to come to more of your calls in just a moment, but I want to get to this comment from Pete. This he writes is a remarkably bad idea. Imagine the scenario, a fire threatens a low-income black and brown community and a wealthy winery. Can we trust that this grower-funded firefighter crew will protect the lives and livelihoods of impacted people over their profit centers? We've seen the choices they've made in forcing farm workers out into the smoke during the worst air quality. We need publicly funded and accountable public services. We see the same choices PG&E is making, choosing shareholder profits over actually making our communities safe. Rick Jones, um, what are your thoughts when you hear that comment?
0: Well, I, I tend to agree with them. I believe that what we're doing in Napa is exactly what that uh, caller or, or texture is, is advocating, which is uh, businesses using uh, their influence, their ability to uh, work with local government to direct local government fundings for the community's benefit. And um, as I said before, we're not advocating a private firefighting force that only responds to our own properties. This is a community opportunity to put more resources against fighting the fires and hopefully more resources against preventing the outbreak of future fires.
1: So for all communities uh, across the board, not just vineyards in Napa County?
0: Absolutely. No, this is is a countywide resource, a countywide effort, and that's the way we want it to be.
1: All right. Let's go to Napa. We've been talking about Napa for the hour. David joins us now from there. Hey, David. Hey, how are you? Great. Thank you for calling in. Go ahead Um, with your question. So my question
5: is, yeah, my question is simply, um, why does the county feel that they're going to be able to do a better job
2: firefighting than CAL FIRE?
1: Alfredo Pedroza, supervisor, uh, what are your thoughts?
2: I think that's the question we're trying to answer in terms of the contract, the financial agreement that we have with CAL FIRE what does that produce from a return of service, right? So we need to evaluate, you know, the $20 million that leaves the county that goes into Cal Fire. We need to understand what that could deliver if we were to do our own fire department. So we haven't already answered that question. We're in the process of assessing that question to look at what we we can do. I think the important part here is that we wanna continue to build off what's worked. I think the recognition that we've realized is When there's multiple fires throughout the state of California, the resources at the Cal Fire level are are minimized. Uh, And it's harder for Napa County to try to get the, the, the resources into a community during a crisis. The question that we're trying to answer is if we have our own fire department run by the county, not by the private sector, not by an industry, by the county of Napa, are we better off? Could we potentially have more resources to protect our residents and businesses? That's the question. We haven't answered it yet. But what we're trying to do is go through this assessment to see if we can get more clarity to the question that the speaker has just asked at this moment.
1: Supervisor Pedrosa, you talk about building off of what's worked. I'm sure you've done a lot of homework on this. What are some models that you see in California, maybe local fire districts where things are working from what you can tell?
2: Yeah, look, I, I think there's a range of options. Uh, in some counties, they have completely created their own fire department where they have their own local resources. Uh, they can afford to do that. Um, that's one model. The opportunity also exists where you renegotiate the contract with Cal Fire, where you have some cost share agreements, where you have more localized resource. You potentially have more dedicated uh, firemen and women. You potentially have a dedicated air support resource. You potentially have more equipment all that can be negotiated right and i think that's part of what we're seeing in, throughout the state of california every county has to advocate the model that works for them and that's what we're doing here is we have to learn from different communities what we know now is the way the fires are burning today they're fundamentally different from how they were before and the scale and the intensity of these fires are different so that's why this is such a critical opportunity for cal fire for the county of napa to acknowledge, yes, we do need a contract that allows us to have the right suppression resources, but we also need the relationships and the partnerships to invest in meaningful prevention, to minimize, as Rick shared, how these fires are growing in the intensity of these fires.
1: David in Napa, who called in with that question, are you satisfied with that answer? I mean, one of the things that we hear about in reporting on this uh, situation on these fires is that so many residents feel... That realization, knowing that help is not always on the way, that there are sometimes so many fires burning at any given time that resources are stretched thin. Um, what do you think of the uh, the answers that you've gotten?
5: Well, I mean, I think I live in in the city of Napa, so there's a difference between the city and the county, right?
4: Mm-hmm.
5: Um, and and I think that you know we're just going to have to trust our publicly elected officials that if they choose to make this change, that. Um, you know, that they're going to be accountable and responsible for, for running that kind of county fire department. I think I, I do kind of, as a, as a resident, I kind of bristle at how the conversation is trying to be framed in this kind of, um, well, there's the affluent people trying to get their own fire department. You know, mm-hmm. NAPA is definitely a spectrum. There are those of us here who are very middle class, um, and a lot of um, uh, you know, underserved people in the community too. So I just I just want to remind listeners that you know Napa is just not chock full of millionaires. It's there's a, a wide spectrum of people in this community, and hopefully a county fire department can can serve that community.
1: I appreciate that comment. And thank you so much for calling. Let's go to a couple of comments. Ben writes, is there any consideration to conduct local preventative measures such as community-led prescribed burns supervised by CAL FIRE instead of fragmenting the reactionary firefighting system? Ken Pimlott, any thoughts on that?
3: Well, certainly I can't speak to the specifics uh, of what's occurring in Napa County, but I can tell you in general, absolutely, that's the focus. And I think Rick pointed it out clearly. We've got to be working on the front end, uh, as well as providing for the response capabilities and really ramping up the capacity uh, to treat the vegetation, to get our communities even more engaged in the defensible space and building resilient communities. Um, That's going to be key. And, uh, you know, CAL FIRE brings a great deal to the table and expertise. In doing that, and working with you know many of our local cooperators and other state agencies uh, to do that, um, but that is got whatever happens going forward, that has to be a key uh, component of this equation, uh, or we'll never be able to protect the communities to the level we need to.
1: Vineyard owner Rick Jones, I'd welcome your comments as well, because you talked about things like building fire breaks and you know creating defensible space. Where do you prescribed burns rank in the array of things that uh, local business owners are perhaps taking into their own hands, or uh, maybe it's better to say coordinating closely with local officials, but you know trying to carry out taking that initiative?
0: Sure, thank you. Uh, prescribed burns are certainly one of the tools that's available to reduce the fuel loads. We have, we're very fortunate in Napa, we have an organization called the Napa Communities Firewise Foundation that has grown from uh, all volunteer effort a couple of years ago to now uh, administering 10 million to $20 million a year of work throughout the community to create fuel breaks, to reduce fuels uh, along our roads, to inform the public about what they can do. We had a, uh, a webinar last night uh, with, I think, nearly 500 individuals from the community who listened in to learn how they can protect their own properties with fuel mitigation and uh, protection efforts. And that's a, an effort that we are absolutely committed to assisting and moving forward. Uh, we are encouraging vineyard owners, winery owners to uh, become part of that effort uh, and to encourage their employees to uh, join in it as well.
1: Let's go to Eve in Oakland. She joins us now. Go ahead with your question, Eve.
4: Oh, hi there. Um, I have kind of a bigger question about uh, forest management. There was some reporting that I was reading over the weekend that there may be evidence and patterns showing that um, some of these forest management practices around clearing and controlled burns may actually be making things worse. And especially with the, the logging aspect, because there's an economic incentive to take the biggest, oldest trees. Um, as part of that forest management, and then the remaining trees are less
1: able to withstand you know, the, these intense burns. So I'm curious what the panelists have to say about that. Thank you for that question, Eve, in Oakland. Ken Pimlott, what are you hearing about that? Uh, I think there's a, a situation similar to what Eve was just describing, taking place in Mendocino County in the Jackson State Demonstration Forest there. Uh, what what is the the prevailing thinking on that? Can prescribed burning uh, lead to perverse economic incentives that actually make things worse?
3: So, what's going to be important to understand is that we are dealing with uh, forests that, um, you know, because we've needed to have aggressive initial attack to protect communities and and watersheds, that so we've had many forests that haven't seen fire for some case over a hundred years. They're overgrown. We haven't been able to manage the forest uh, to the appropriate level to try to reduce uh, the, the intensity of fires and allow, nat- you know, allow fires to occur in a way that they naturally did uh, over hundred years ago. So prescribed fire is an absolute critical tool to re-engage in our forest, but we've got to do it in a way after we've uh, managed the forest through mechanical thinning, harvesting is a piece done the right way working on forests is very expensive and helping pay the cost of getting that work done means harvesting trees and getting them to mills but we need to obviously it's cleaning up slash and it's ensuring uh, that it's ready to take fire just putting fire in our landscape right now without ensuring that it's uh, safe to do so will just lead to more catastrophic fires uh, but across the landscape we're seeing our forests are burning at intensities unlike they've burned before. Mm -hmm. And we need to be continuing to thin and then to work on those forests in a smart way so that they're resilient to fire because it's going to occur.
1: I think we have time for one more caller. Uh, Randy in Angwin in Napa County. Welcome to Forum.
4: Okay, greetings. Uh, Alfredo, we had a conversation with the director of CAL FIRE in which he stated that CAL FIRE would pay 100% of the flight time of the Fireboss aircraft. Obviously, this didn't happen. Now with the copter being in Napa, are they paying 100% for the flight time or did they stick the county with paying for the first four hours of every day?
1: Supervisor Pedrosa, can you answer that in 30 seconds or less?
2: Yes, uh, the county of Napa is responsible for the helicopters to be grounded in Napa airport and the county of Napa will be responsible for some operational hours. Um, And that's a discussion we had with Cal Fire. At the end of the day, we got what we wanted, which was additional resources for Napa County.
1: We have been talking with Ken Pimlott, former Cal Fire chief, Rick Jones, owner of Jones Family Vineyards, and Supervisor Alfredo Pedroza, Napa County Board of Supervisors chairperson. You've been listening to Forum. I'm Lily Dramali. Stay tuned for another hour of Forum Ahead with Mina Kim. Funds for the production of
4: Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio and the Germanicos Foundation and the Generosity Foundation. This is Barbara Leslie, president of the Oakland Port Commission. Oakland International Airport, OAK, is proud to bring you this podcast of KQED's Forum. When you're choosing your next adventure, the smart and convenient choice is to fly the East Bay Way from OAK to destinations across the USA and Mexico.
1: Left to find my tablet on.
4: Get wall-to-wall Wi-Fi on the Xfinity 10G network. Restrictions apply, not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary.
1: A young correctional officer. He said it was the most dangerous prison in California. Forced to make a choice. Fulfill his oath or back his fellow officers.
5: Recognize the badge of my office.
1: I'm Suki Lewis from KQED Podcasts comes on our watch, season two. New Folsom, a story about who gets hurt when the system that promises to keep us safe is bent on protecting itself. Find it wherever you listen to podcasts.